0: Welcome everybody to Say What Needs Saying. I'm Zach.
1: And I'm Brandon. And uh, today for this particular conversation, we're focusing on the vaccine. COVID-19 finally has a vaccine that by next week's time should be distributed to what is 100 million Americans. Before we even go into that, we must establish the base for what is and what is described as a vaccine. Mm -hmm. This will be a substance that helps protect against certain diseases particularly this one, COVID-19. Vaccines contain a dead or weakened version of a microbe and it helps your immune system recognize and destroy the living microbe during a future infection with that infection being the actual COVID virus. Now, with that being said, there are considerable side effects that have been mentioned in the news, uh, some a bit more exaggerated than others, um, some random occurrences, have happened and people have, I guess, almost used the causation, causality notion, like some people's going around about saying you can get Bell's palsy from it, though mm-hmm. it can just be the population who got it thus far, mm-hmm. but that will all be discussed, I'm sure, throughout this conversation. Now, I must throw it to Zach and ask you, for this COVID-19 vaccine, uh, Trump wants to rename it the Trump vaccine. Whether there's fifteen hundred dollars behind it or not for you to take it as an American, Zach, will you be taking this vaccine?
0: Um, I wanted to before <laughs> I do that, I wanted to tell let everyone know that's listening that isn't already aware. tell tell everyone what you are exactly, just so that they understand, like obviously, we're not pretending to be experts to understand everything on this, but in this particular instance, you do have a bit of credibility given that you're in the medical community, right? Like at least on some level. What do you do for anyone who's listening that doesn't actually know what you do?
1: Oh, um, I'm a surgical neurophysiologist. Uh, what ha- so what that boils down to is when surgeons, when neurosurgeons do a specific spine or uh, anything around the, the nervous area type surgeries, my job is to make sure that during, while they do the physical aspect, I look at their nervous structure. The EEG aspect also of their brain and just how their muscles are corresponding. So say for instance, the surgeon is working within the spinal cord, he may hit a nerve or may even damage a tract. And my job, what I'm able to do is see in regards to what he's doing, what muscles he may be damaging. And I relate that information, we create that back and forth communication to make sure that whatever he's doing isn't too detrimental to the patient's nervous system what happens is I stimulate some areas on their wrists and ankles Record it from the brain, set the baseline, anything that deviates from that, we alert the surgeon. Yeah. And that happens with anyone. So there's, we have COVID patients as well, and we have to increase the level of precautions because like they even tell us uh, extra precaution when they're drilling and the bone, you know, the bone fragments are going into the air. You have to wear eye um, glasses. You even have to wear, Uh, the masks, especially change clothes, change garments, all that stuff.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. So with Say What Needs Saying, we pretty consistently want to make it clear that we're not legal experts. We're not, you know, experts on a lot of political experts and things. But at least in this case, Brandon has a, a little bit of experience in the medical field. And I have a little bit of experience in neuroscience and well, as does Brandon. And so hopefully we can bring that perspective and hear other people's um, as far as to answer your question, am I taking it? I, I'm still not sure if I'll be forced to take it for my job. My lab is in the Kellogg Eye Center at Michigan, um, and there are patients there, and so we're not obviously we aren't dealing with patients ourselves, or at least I'm not. But since they're in the building, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if there was something forcing me to do it with that. If that happens, I mean, I'll do it. I'll listen. I'll, um, I'll take the vaccine then you know, I'm not going to fight it in that case. If I'm not mandated to I, I haven't fully decided if I will immediately. Um, I may wait a little bit. But that being said, we're already getting some info from the UK and other places. so I don't know, I mean, time will tell when it's available. But I think as it stands, I wouldn't take it tomorrow, unless Mm. my job depended on it. That's not to say I'm doubting it. But Right. Yeah, right. Sorry, I
1: completely agree. I, just like, you know, the, the initial Xbox or the initial PS5, you know, that's <laughs> right. the beta version. I'll let that go out, you know, do whatever it needs to do, work out any bugs, and then come see me back. Granted, yeah. it might be mandated just like any old flu shot for us, but, uh and granted, I would have to take it, uh, yeah. but we'll definitely see.
0: We'll be interested to know what all of you think too. So let us know in the comments, whether you're listening to us in the Zoom chat, um, or if you're listening to us on one of the streaming platforms be sure to let us know in the comments what you think about the vaccine are you going to be listening to your job if you get mandated to take it are you going to be taking it are you going to wait you know what what are your thoughts on it are you going to be taking it um let us know in the comments wherever you're listening we do have a couple of comments coming in on the on the zoom chat
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, the first one says, is it the Operation Warp Speed, the one, or are we getting, or are we that we're getting, or the Pfizer vaccine?
0: I think we're going to have the Pfizer one distributed. For initially, or are yeah, other companies least... not going to be competing? Uh, I So I'm not sure later down the line, but as of now, the FDA has approved Pfizer's vaccine, um, and those ones are scheduled to start shipping out who knows what's going to happen later. If You know, maybe the Moderna one, we get a shipment of that too, or we have something else in addition. But yeah, it's, as of right now, it's distributing at least the Pfizer one. So someone said there is no Operation Warp Speed vaccine. That OP was just to help to speed up the testing process and assist manufacturers in bringing any viable vaccine. The other comment we got was that there are any risks with a mRNA vaccine, asking if it's a first um, and so yeah, it is the first, like the the next comment says, it is the first widespread use of it. Um, and they have been working on them previously. As far as risks, I mean, there's risks with everything, risks with any kind of medication or or vaccine or anything. Obviously, there's risks. The way it works basically, and this is again, this is gonna be simplified. So take it with a grain of salt, but basically it codes for the production of a coronavirus spike protein that the body then recognizes. And once the body recognizes it, the immune system trains to attack that protein, that spike protein. Then if you were to encounter coronavirus later, when it encounters that spike protein, it would attack and and kill it. Mm -hmm. So as far as risks, um, there's a couple of big ones that have been out there that are probably not actual risks that we wanted to go through um, and talk about. The big Mm -hmm. one, Brandon had briefly mentioned a couple of them. Um, The big one specific to the type of vaccine is people are concerned about infertility risks. That's basic. So the, basically that one is a concern because the, well, let me back up. So proteins are made up of amino acids. Those are the building blocks of the protein. So each protein is a sequence of amino acids. Mm -hmm. So the way that antibodies work is that they target a particular sequence of amino acids. Right. And so the concern over the infertility concerns that had started cropping up around social media and whatnot is that part of that sequence for the, the COVID spike protein that they're, that it's um, having the body make and then is targeted by these antibodies, part of that sequence is similar to the sequence of, I think it's called, it's pronounced uh, syncytin. One, which is a, it's a protein that's involved in placental development, uh, development of the placenta. So the concerns were that basically the antibodies will be generated, they'll target this COVID spike protein. And because of the sequence similarity, they'll also target uh, Syncytin-1 and prevent placental development uh, in, in the woman. And so that would cause her to be infertile. So I'll preface this by saying that's it's very 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 unlikely <laughs> that that would actually happen, but I don't like how this has been addressed so far. At least what I've seen so far about it. Um, so I and Brandon, feel free to cut me off at any point if I'm rambling. I just wanted to. Dri- no, no, no. I, I would
1: let you first of all. I loved if anybody enjoyed Bio One One Twenty One. There, there <laughs> you go. Uh, I was sitting here mouthing it as you continued. I was like, oh, is he not going to mention the. I was like, all right, whatever. Um, but uh, one thing in regards to some of the side effects that people are concerned about is the fact that they'll kind of have COVID-like symptoms, uh, at least a mild form of them. Like you'll yeah. kind of run through the disease, uh, the virus, and then you'll get over it. People are like, I, you know, I feel fine. Why would I get that now? But I think America doesn't embody a culture of preventative medicine, a concept that everyone has to face now. Because granted, the conversation of vaccines has always been around, especially uh, when it comes to, I forgot the name of the celebrity that made it more mainstream in regards to autism and whatnot. But the fact that uh, vaccines now are in, is the main medical concern for every American here. There's a lot. There's a lot you can decipher. At least you have a lot to... Concern yourself, with because you're going to have to take it, I guess, within, if you're in middle class. I'm not sure how they're going to mandate it, if they're going to mandate it. But, you know, we'll see. Americans are typically stubborn, so we'll see.
0: <laughs> they are. They're stubborn and they're not getting, the their fears aren't being abated well enough, I don't think. With how, right. with how all this concern about the anti-expert, anti-science, anti-elite feeling and sentiment is going on. The concerns aren't being addressed. Um, and that's what I wanted to get into with that, that infertility claim. The things that I've seen addressing it have oftentimes, and I don't know if this is necessarily the fault of the, the scientists or the, the reporters that then report the science, probably some combination. But the responses that I've seen is that, oh, the protein isn't identical to the placental development protein, so therefore it won't target it. Uh, the antibodies won't target it. And I think it's stuff like that that gets scientists in trouble later because that's not true. antibodies do have cross-reactivity with other proteins that do have sequence similarity, but it has to be a significant similarity for it to be cross-reactive, right? So the core of what they're saying is true. It's very, very, very unlikely for that to happen. But that black or white explanation that winds up being the way that it gets addressed, oh, it's not identical so it's not possible that only leads to making things harder to explain later when people are now not trusting you and not trusting that results cuz it is once someone finds out that it is able to have cross reactivity or cross sensitivity with other proteins then you run into that issue um we have right. one hand up in the chat and i think this is another scientist so i wanted to let him go too uh, go ahead whenever
2: yeah, I just wanted to add that whose responsibility is it to understand or disseminate this information? So right. I think it's good to establish that, that part first. I think the responsibility lies on everyone. to, For scientists to disseminate the correct information, for government to make sure that the information is widespread and follows public health rules, and mm-hmm. for people to have some basic understanding of how risk works. And it's demonstrated that people, when when there's negative risks, people tend to overestimate that. Um, if let's say there's a 0.1 percent risk of death, I'm not saying that's the case for for this vaccine, but with any any uh, any medicine, mm-hmm. people tend to overestimate. And conversely, if there is a one percent chance of winning a lottery, people tend to uh, overestimate that too in terms of the chances. So there's a there's a biases in human cognition that need to be accounted for. There is um, problems of scientific communication. All this information that you just mentioned, Zach, in terms mm-hmm. of cross-coding of proteins, that is not easily disseminable. Like you right. can't necessarily communicate that very easily. So we, we need to have that understanding and and just establish that yes, because of the flaws inherent, inherent to how people's jobs work, and also biases in human cognition, there will be a certain percent of the population who will not get the vaccine, or mm-hmm. they might be opposed to it. Now, the now the factor that we need to consider is how much of this uh, is loud, and how much of this people uh, should be fearful of. Yeah, th- th- those are just my thoughts about this.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, and so. Tom Kunzelman brought up, we had an interview with him uh, early on. So if you haven't watched that episode yet, definitely check it out. We talked about having a conversation about touchy things and how skepticism and openness are both important. One of the biggest things he brought up that stuck with me is he asked me, he's like, what's paying for your schooling right now? I'm like, oh, well, I'm on a grant. Like, okay, where, what's the grant from? I'm like, well, it's an NIH T32 grant. It's an NIH training grant. He's like, okay who pays for that? I'm like, taxpayers. (laughs) And so he's like, you see where I'm going? Like, yeah, exactly. So as scientists, I agree with you. I think we have some level of responsibility because it's literally taxpayers dollars that are paying for a lot of our education, for a lot of our training and things like that. And for us to do this stuff. But I agree with you that other people play a role too. I don't know, Brandon, what do you think on on disseminating information? Like who, who do you think has the biggest roles in that?
1: Well, I'm sure from the perspectives, or at least from the instructors at Baldwin-Wallace, uh, they say that neuroscientists are the worst at describing research information. And doctors have had a interesting reputation at poorly relating uh, information to their patients.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, granted, is it, you know, in my head, you know, I would think maybe this, the, the director of the CDC would come out, make a generalized-type explanation Addressing the you know ten main questions you know on almost every major media platform they can do that, the same way how they did voting when people kept calling and you know sending information through the mail, I would say do that. I think they need to take a different approach to this, because mm-hmm. everyone has to take this. This isn't just anybody under two or at the age of two. And no one American, at least generally, no one American is smarter than another American in regards to this vaccine. Is it the doctor's responsibility? I think so. Am I going to entrust every American to do the proper due diligence in regards to research and to look up the information? I don't think so. And that's not to say I don't have faith in the American, the average American to do that. They haven't done so thus far. If you were to look something up on the internet, right, you're opening yourself up to things that you're not even sure if it's true or not, biased or not, credible or not. So if you you can go online and look up information that says, that points you directly to saying, this is nonsense, a scam. Um, It will tarnish your brain and put chips in your body. Then you go to the doctor and say, I'm not taking this because it put chips in my body. Well, I did the research. You did the research. What makes you more credible than I? And I've heard that argument numerous times online. You know, there's people saying, I remember one person that caught pneumonia from COVID they were like, it's amazing how people think you can get pneumonia from COVID in my head that's a ridiculous question, but I guess to them, that's the research that they found. That's the information that they uh, looked up and, you know, boiled down to their understanding. So I think there's a responsibility on the doctor's end, but even that alone has some some history in regards to doctors (laughs) and relaying information to their patients. So uh, we'll see. We definitely got some comments Mm -hmm. uh, in the chat that I didn't want to get lost. One of them says, uh, that's how the flu vaccine works that I was talking about. Um, I was uh, referencing...
2: Side, the effects. side effects.
1: Yeah. It says you kind of feel like crap afterwards. Another one says, do I have increased risk of a heart attack? Like if I'm fat, am I safer to avoid people or take the vaccine? That's an interesting question. because yeah. Someone said, you know, should there be mandatory vaccines? And I said, no, there, sh- there, there doesn't need to be mandatory vaccines because other countries didn't have to mandate a vaccine for their countries to go back to normal. Like Australia is roughly back to normal. New Zealand's roughly back to normal. A couple of countries, several countries are, you know back to normal from the same COVID experience that we have but we can't necessarily enforce a lockdown and a proper supplement from the government that would allow for a true lockdown not just a two week and then back to normal. Mm -hmm. Like to tell people to go to work and then don't go out after that kind of defeats the purpose. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So I'm not sure, granted again, we must reiterate we are not the experts here, but yeah. I think it is safer to go with the vaccine just because of the sheer numbers that we're seeing. Uh even during the podcast just now, I just got uh two more surgeries added tomorrow and all COVID positive. So it's definitely definitely something to consider in regards to the vaccine. Another comment yeah. we had is it's hard to dump things down for some folks. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Yeah. I agree. I mean,
0: yeah,
1: that's that's been I mean, people take classes on that. I'm sure Zach, you can attest to trying to take your concepts mm-hmm. that you work with, or whether it be undergrad or graduate school that you have to boil down or shorten and explain it to the master. So, right. Um, I completely agree. And then the last one we had here on the zoom chat was, I think it would be difficult for them though, to put out a statement like that, seeing as how they can't know the long-term effects of this, of course, mm-hmm. uh, that's a chunk of the questions. Well, Will this do to me two to five years down the road? They can't exactly say, quote, we don't know. Now, granted, that may be true, but we have information like that on vaccines that are out now, and people are still questioning that. So I don't mm-hmm. think it would matter one way or another what would happen then. I think we're just trying to solve the now issue, but yeah. we've seen what solving the now issue means. You know, in 2030, you're sitting now watching the Wheel of, Wheel of Fortune and you're saying, uh, did you take the COVID-19 vaccine in 2020? You can be subjected to a large sum of payment, (laughs) you know what I mean?
0: So
1: uh, you never know.
0: Yeah, well, and that, I wanted to touch on that last comment too, for that reason, is I think it depends on what that person means by, am I safer to avoid people or to take the vaccine? I mean, how much can you avoid people? You know, if you could, can you entirely avoid people? Then I think in that instance, presumably you'll be fine if you if you didn't want to get the vaccine, but you could be absolutely certain that you're not in contact with anyone. I don't know if anyone fits that criteria, right? You still have to, I and mean, I guess you could get your groceries delivered and, and other things, but pretty much everyone is going to have some interaction with someone. And so if you're concerned about getting it from other people, then yeah, I would say you'd be safer off getting the vaccine. But if you can genuinely avoid people, then I mean, presumably, you're not going to interact with anyone that could have it. And for that exact reason that we don't know the long-term effects, sure. And so, I mean, if you can genuinely avoid people. But the thing is, I mean, at some point, you're probably going to have to interact with people.
1: Yeah, I mean, and yeah. you're right. Not even to avoid people. What does COVID look like on a person? You know, mm-hmm. the right. what we knew was the symptoms six months ago aren't necessarily the, they. you know, they didn't necessarily translate throughout the months.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: People who don't get vaccinated, doesn't vaccinate their kids, they, their kids can't. No, to avoid a kid who didn't or does have polio, so to speak. You know, you right. know, that's kind of like uh, a great theoretical idea, but the more practical idea is to take a preventative measure. That's what I'm saying. Preventative medicine is on the concept as
0: as generalized. Right. Um, we've got one hand up that I wanted to get to. Go ahead, whenever.
2: Yeah. Um, I just wanted to add another factor that might play a role in people's distrust of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. We've seen this logical fallacy when people were dying from COVID as well. So let's let's take a case, example case of person X died from COVID and looks like they had a stroke. Now, if you take in, in the random population, a sizable proportion of that population will naturally get strokes without any getting COVID, for instance. Um, and so that is not, the natural base rate is not accounted for when that person got COVID and, and died. And there's no real way to know this unless you do a randomized trial to see how many people actually got strokes and how many people didn't. But then those few cases, what happens is the, it gets brought up by the media and gets inflated quite a bit. So then people wrongfully start believing that, hey, like looks like stroke is a big consequence of COVID. And although it happened in like maybe one person and you don't necessarily know whether it happened from COVID or from natural causes. Now you can say the same thing about the vaccine itself. Let's say someone takes a vaccine and a few days later they get a stroke or something else. Because of the nature of the vaccine was taken around that time, you'll probably be thinking that, hey, the vaccine caused my stroke, right? Mm Once those one or two cases get inflated by the media, then it further broadens people's distrust that, hey, like I might get a stroke because this one person got a stroke. and But there's no way to have known whether that stroke itself was from natural causes or from the vaccine itself.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And that that kind of gets to a couple of the other concerns that I wanted to talk about on here. Um, so Brandon, you mentioned the Bell's policy. Um, So people were concerned about maybe getting Bell's palsy as a result of getting the vaccine. And so that one, so four cases did get it, um, did get Bell's palsy, but that was the main part of it that is important is that that's consistent with the background rate of the general population. And so basically that means that it's not more than would be quote, I don't want to say quote unquote expected, but it's not an overly large number of cases to where it seems like, we should be overly concerned about it. Mm-hmm. And then allergies was another one that people were concerned about, because there were two people that I believe they went into anaphylactic shock, but they they had a bad allergic reactions, at least. And so that kind of got drummed up a little. And now that's a big concern as well. So it was two people that got it. So for one, it's it's very, like you said, it's only a couple cases out of, I I think, and take this with a grain of salt, check it. But I think it was 44,000 people that Pfizer did um, for their trials or so. And so two people, it's already few, but those two people both already had a history of allergies and carried an adrenaline shot with them for their allergies. So there are things that like, yes, they happen, but are they directly caused by the vaccine? We, We don't necessarily know. That said, they are now you know, the government has said to keep an eye out for allergic reactions and has advised people that have bad allergies not to get it for that reason. But yeah, it's just these, these side effects, a lot of them, the problem is when you're screening this many people, when you're including this many people in a trial, then yeah, you're going to have some people that just are sick or are, you know, have something go wrong with them that may or may not have just happened, you know, anyway.
1: I mean, and that you necessarily can't avoid it. You know, all these, you know, additional symptoms people come in with a myriad of health issues beforehand you know whether mm-hmm. that health issue was exacerbated or by the vaccine or not you wouldn't necessarily know and that bad that just comes with the risk of anything that's like you know if you it's kind of like almost how superstitions work so to speak you know if something happens and you associate it like this happened with the garcia effect like if you were to like listen to eat, eat, if you were to like eat something and then get sick you would blame it on like you know the apple pie rather than the actual virus doing it to you we did get a couple of comments in the chat. It says, mm-hmm. uh, "When we're done with the symptoms and risks, what happened with the executive order? Are only Americans getting the first rounds of tests?" And I actually have that same question too, because um, I never heard any other. I haven't heard any other country saying, "Oh, we'll we either back this or we'll also be participating in these initial, you know, vaccines." Have you heard anything, Zach?
0: The Are you talking tests or vaccines, like? that that was Trump saying that we would get vaccines before other countries.
1: Yeah. Well, just based on the
0: comment, I think only all
1: Americans getting the first rounds of tests?
0: So let me see. I'm going to, I'm going to find the actual executive order so that I have it in front of me. And so we can read it for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about.
1: There's a comment that I would love to get into. It says, it also doesn't help how the CDC has messed up in the sending out messages when we, when we here in the United in the States initially shut down a bit, talking about how they said don't buy masks, they don't help, and they really just didn't want to run out of supplies for the medical community that really needed them. Uh, they had a major flub there. I, I, love, I love the word. That's my new word now. <laughs> and lost a good amount of credibility from the Americans there. That has carried on and been compounded by numerous curious statements and happenings. And I agree. If there was a level of objectivity from either the administration or the trans, the conversation between the administration and the CDC, there could be more credibility behind whatever they say. But even Fauci recently said, you know, Black people should take it since a Black woman developed it. How? What in the world does race have anything to do? Things like that, at least in regards to the Black community, a lot of people have been targeting or at least been trying to, I guess, inform Different minority communities saying that because of uh, the compounding symptoms that they may have, it is uh, advised to take this vaccine. Granted, in history's past, we've seen, especially with the Tus- Tuskegee syphilis experiment, um, yeah. we've seen that doctors have given syphilis. Uh, I guess a little backstory doctors uh, gave, I believe, it was a I was 100 uh, black men syphilis because they weren't sure what it was. Um, they weren't sure, they didn't understand the disease. And each time they were going for treatment for quote unquote syphilis, they'll just say it was for bad blood. Because back then, they didn't have a term, that was like a catch all term, you, you get treated for bad blood. The doctors knowingly knew what they gave to the patients, the patients didn't know. Um, and at this time there was, I guess, a form of trust established between the black community and uh, doctors and the physicians. And I believe 28 men died from this, something that they completely knew about. And from then on, just that, that narrative translated all throughout, you know, the medical, the medical industry and as within the Black community and that there's this level of disconnect of this, the distrust. Also, even now, Black women, it, it's like a medical, I think it is a medical uh, emergency in regards to the death rate of Black women given birth. It's disproportional against any other demographic in the world. Um, and I've spoken with this with other surgeons and there's a rash there's a there's a level of rationale for this distrust but the question is do you give into the distrust or do you kind of right. quote unquote trust the government and that's something that's been challenged across the decades
0: right cuz not only that but with that experiment they had developed penicillin too in the right. in the middle of it and they didn't tell like they had the the ability to to treat the syphilis or to cure the syphilis in a lot of these cases and they didn't. So yeah, a lot of that distrust is rooted in a bad experience with trusting medical or government or whatever other group of people that, you know, a lot of this distrust is firmly and deeply rooted. It's not just Fauci fumbling his words a little bit on stuff. Now, I agree really strongly with a lot of what that comment said about scientists and and people, the medical community communicating. It's what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, right? We we need to get better at communicating these these kinds of things because people then take it either out of context, if it's poorly communicated, or you just like, like the comment said, the, the mask issue, right? They early on had said not to wear masks, and then they flipped to saying to wear masks, and now people don't trust you. Going back to that executive order. So basically, Trump had signed an executive order that said that the United States... Um, government would prioritize getting the vaccines to the US citizens before sending it out to other nations. I don't really know to answer the the listener's question. I don't really know what wound up happening with that. But I know that it's, it's pretty much just symbolic. Um, I don't see any way that he could actually enforce that through that. Um, I don't really see how he could control that. I mean, if he actually does something to to try and enforce it, then that's great. Um, but like someone said that we do have the the UK has already started passing out the, the Pfizer vaccine. So regardless of whether or not the US sends it elsewhere, I mean, it is also still going to get elsewhere. And I don't think the executive order will really amount to much other than imagistics. And so that we got another comment that said that their main manufacturing is in the US, if I understand correctly, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where Pfizer and Moderna and, and these other companies have all of their manufacturing centers. So I, d- I don't want to say I'm not positive, um, but you could be right. And if that's the case, then yeah, it would be important to see you know, where it's then distributed to. Um, we do have someone with their hand up. It looks like it's been up for a little while, so um, we'll let them go ahead. Based on
2: the discussion that we, we all had about how complicated, first of all, this vaccine is mm-hmm. uh, in terms of its outcomes even though largely it's it's shown to be protective, but because of the handful of cases we mentioned, that's number one. Number two being the distrust of people, of the government, uh, because of doing th- these horrible experiments on people like the Tuskegee experiment that you guys talked about. The environment around this vaccine and in the virus itself, we've noticed that how people have been uh, against, let's say, wearing masks or or um, a variety of other things. For these reasons, I think that mandating, and this is my personal opinion, I would love to hear other opposing views on this, but I don't think the vaccine should be mandated. There is a difference between mandation and, and a mandate and an advisory, so I think there should be a strong public health advisory, whether it be from the CDC or other public health institutions that, yes, take the vaccine, Uh, this is a good thing. Uh, Largely, it's shown to help protect from getting this virus. So yes, take it. But I don't think there should be a mandate from the government level. Mm -hmm. Uh, If there is a mandate, it can be from, let's say, certain workplaces or certain businesses mandating it because of the situations that they have in their uh, work environment. That that is very possible. And if I remember correctly, the other day in the news, I I read about uh, Ticketmaster, which is um, which I've used to buy buy concert tickets and things like that. They have um, they're creating a on their Ticketmaster website um, and on the app, I think, for next year, they are creating this um, designation where you can say, oh, I've been vaccinated or not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're buying uh, concert tickets, when you're going somewhere. So they're, they're, they have already created this and they're launch it next year. Uh, so that makes sense. That makes sense because concerts are crowded places and Ticketmaster doesn't want to be liable for pe- a lot of people getting sick. So mm-hmm. uh, that totally makes sense to me and that can, that can happen. Um, but I just don't think that a government, a federal level um, mandate should be there. Yeah, I, I, I
0: want to hear if there's other opposing views to this. Definitely. Yeah, let us know in the comments well, if you're listening I wish live.
1: The, that community were to be able to jump on jump on the pod, because definitely is, there's a lot of people saying that there either needs to be a mandate.
0: I think you cut out, Brandon. Um, in the meantime, we got a couple comments that I'll address really quick while we wait. Um, one says that the Pfizer vaccine is being manufactured in partnership with BioNTech, which is based in Germany, but the main plant is in Michigan. Another comment says the main ingredient comes from Massachusetts, the RNA. So I'm not sure what that means then as far as Trump's executive order. Let us know in the comments what your views on, on mandates are. Let us know what you think. Do you think that the government should be mandating these vaccines? Do you think that they should stay entirely out of it? Do you think like the other listener said that this should be mostly in the hands of the companies, of institutions and organizations, um, as opposed to the government, yeah, let us let us know what your thoughts are. It's not entirely unprecedented, right? There are some mandated vaccines for public schools for children, right? You do have to have certain vaccines in that case. But yeah, uh, let us know. Uh, we got one comment that says dumb uh, and that's their thoughts. So yeah, I, I personally, I think that I agree with the listener and that the, the mandate should not be a thing. I think that it's you know, overstepping the bounds of government, and I don't think it's necessarily their role. We got another comment that says, I don't think it should be mandated. I think I should be able to wait some amount of time to see if there are long-term mRNA vaccine-related issues. Um, Then we got another comment that says, for a nationwide mandate, I don't agree. For job specific, sure. For schools, especially for kids, I think I'd be okay with that as well, mainly for the teachers, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, that makes sense, right? The there is precedent for all of that. As far as schools, there is some precedent. And as far as jobs, obviously, there's some precedent. But it's very different from trusting, you know, trusting your boss and trusting the government to mandate it are two very different things.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to add to the point that I made earlier about a mandate. So government mandate could be a thing for other diseases that, let's say, a hypothetical disease that is Really dangerous and killer, and is wiping out half of the U.S. or something like that. Based on what you see in movies, maybe mm-hmm. yes, um, something government related is necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, a mandate uh, might be necessary for those cases because of how widespread and how what the what the situation is like. But for COVID, another reason why the mandate is not necessary, in my opinion, is. Because you don't need a 100% vaccination of the entire U.S. population in order to achieve the target. And the right. target is to get rid of the virus. So once you have a sizable population of the of, uh, of the U.S. vaccinated, um, and hopefully this will happen through people who are willing to take the virus, sorry, the vaccine on their own will, um, what should happen is that should be sufficient to prevent any form of spread. And Mm -hmm. once that's prevented, the virus will just disappear on its own. So that's the hope. And for that reason, that's another good reason why a mandate is necessary because 100% vaccination is not the target, I would say.
0: Yeah, we don't necessarily need 100% to reach herd immunity, um, and there have been things that have been shown before now, like T cell immunity with COVID specifically, that the number to hit may even be a little lower than the typical the typical number that you want to hit, where the majority of the the country. I don't know offhand what that number is for herd immunity. I don't know if it was something like 70 to 80, maybe. Um, I don't know, but it, I think it would be a little lower with things like T cell immunity you're right that it's, it's not necessarily the goal to get the entire population vaccinated. Now we do need a lot, right? We do need a lot of people to get vaccinated in order to, for it to be effective in order to reach herd immunity to, to do what it's meant to do. But, but yeah, that's a good point that we don't necessarily need a hundred percent. We yeah. got uh, another comments that said, so what are my chances of getting it after I take it? Like I've had the MMR and gotten mumps. So do we have stats? I doubt we have stats yet. Um uh, to we be won't honest. have stats for maybe five years. Right. And given that I so I don't know with the mRNA based vaccine, this is I i don't know for sure this, so don't quote me, but I would imagine it would be very different than the vaccines where you are injecting the inert virus. Um just because it's I, I don't know offhand if the COVID spiked protein alone could induce COVID 19. I I don't know. I don't want to speak on it because I'm not sure. But my my gut tells me that that may that chance may be lower because you're not actually injecting the inert virus. But I don't I don't know for sure. Um, so what about you, Brandon? What do you think about um, these mandates? I know you said earlier that you didn't think that the government necessarily needs to mandate. But like, do you think then that the answer is these different companies um, doing the mandates, like Ticketmaster, like we were talking about, or or do you think that it's some something else other than that?
1: Well, I don't think there's any one company. Um, So every company, every entity that makes some form of money in America is trying to convince the consumers to take this vaccine so they can continue the revenue, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether that being Ticketmaster saying if you got it or not. Um, There's also saying that George Bush, uh, Bill Clinton, and President Obama will be getting the vaccine live to show that it's okay to get. Even though seeing Obama get it wouldn't necessarily make say, huh, maybe I can get it because he can die the same way I could die from it. Mm -hmm. Or he could be okay just when I could be okay from it. Um, But also he was the same person who took a healthy glass of Flint water and um, (laughs) who knows what's happening to President Obama right now because of that. I mean, there's also the potential that there will be a $1,500 stipend. Uh, to take it, so you you you'll yeah. get fifteen hundred dollars for that. Do you think that that will be the deciding factor for Americans? Like, do you think know. that fifteen hundred because the fifteen hundred dollars somehow fifteen hundred Americans somehow allowed fifteen hundred dollars to span nine months yeah. <laughs> as the COVID relief? So, um would that be what was that? two dollars a dollar a day roughly? Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. um, Dude, I don't I know. Would, do you think fifteen hundred dollars would convince you to just get it? Just, just a shot. Yeah. Just get the shot. You get a shot. Think of it as a flu shot. Fifteen hundred dollars. Are you taking it? Yes or no?
0: Well, so okay. So personally, yes, I'd take it. I'd get. The, I'd cash in. <laughs> I'd get the check. Yeah. But I agree yeah. with the first comment we got that says the stimulus perk is messed up. I don't know, man. That sounds. That sounds a little. Like it just comes across as sketchy. Like that you're the government is now in a sense bribing you to get the vaccine with this with the stimulus check you know, my first concern is like, okay, what about people who legitimately can't get the vaccine? Right? People who are legitimately, are they exempt? Are they just going to get a check cut to them for $1,500? For and then you run into the gray area. Like if you have allergies now, presumably you would have a case that you could make against having to take having to take it to get that stimulus check right if you have allergies presumably that could be discriminating against you in some way because now well if you can't get the vaccine then now you can't get cash in on the check and now you're doubly screwed so now not only do you have to worry about covid you also have to keep going to work or keep doing whatever and put yourself in danger that to me it's it's a messed up plan i think fifteen hundred
1: fifteen hundred dollars isn't fixing anything if the government because the government ran we say for instance they were to give it out to every american uh fun fact I have. I still haven't gotten my $1,500 from the government from the Corona Relief Package stimulus. Are you sure you
0: qualified then? I feel like everyone's I'm 100%, got
1: out, no? I 100%, please, we are a new podcast. I am 100% <laughs> sure. I, I'm not financially exempt from getting that. And I did call the IRS more times than I ever would want to verify that everything. So, you know, that can definitely come about where... People would take it expecting $1,500, expecting to pay their bills It's cold as the winter. They take it and then the government doesn't give them anything. And then they're like, now I have a side effect. Well, you have to pay that out of pocket. Well, what about the $1,500? You're going to have to wait on that. Mm-hmm. Bad idea. Yeah, in my head.
0: Yeah, I'm not a fan of it. We got a couple comments relating to this. Um, we said one person that said $1,500 isn't going to work. Another comment said, that being said, it was brought up by a former congressman, not someone in Congress anymore, John Delaney. Someone responded, said AOC uh, also brought it up and she's still in Congress. First, it was John. We then had someone say, the moderate in me wants to ask how this affects businesses if you wanna make it mandatory or partially mandatory versus not. I think that affects people's opinions the most. And do they need to still continue WFH for X amount of time? or until cases go down, work from home for uh, X amount of time. I, I think it depends, right? I think it depends on the business, how it would impact you and everything, and what plays into your decision-making process. Because I think, so for things like you know, universities and hospitals and things, I'm sure U of M will have some kind of mandate for certain people, but they're not necessarily a business, right? They're a university. For businesses, I could see it going either way, right? If you're gonna mandate vaccines, It depends on the business right your employees may not be happy but your customers may not be happy if you don't mandate it from the get to go right I find it the same as masks or very similar to masks in that if you mandate masks in the absence of a state mandate as a business owner, you're making a decision on what your clientele is now you're making a decision on who you're reaching and advocating for, because if you're, if you're going to be, you know, anti-mask as a business and not mandate masks in the absence of a state mandate, you're going to gain some customers, you're going to lose some customers. And I think vaccines will probably be the same. So I think it'll depend strongly on which, which kind of companies we're talking about too.
1: Oh yeah. Well, let's dive down deeper into the, the business realm of, of uh, the ramifications of this vaccine. Restaurants are probably some, one of the, some of the biggest, I guess, departments or businesses are taking you know some of the hardest hits. In my head, I watch the Food Network out of pity, just because I know a lot of them aren't having the restaurants, having the, the numbers that they're used to. Would you rather all, anyone who serves in the food industry to get it because you can open up dining, so to speak, or, you know, that could be implemented. Besides like the medical professionals, who, uh, what profession do you think would benefit from seeing the vaccine first or mm. primarily?
0: I mean, presumably whatever the biggest transmission vectors at that time are, no? Like I think indoor dining, so, I don't know. Cause I mean, the biggest transmission vectors are things like indoor dining and indoor low ventilation areas and stuff like that but it's not necessarily, so if you want to talk restaurants, then it's not necessarily about the the employees. It's more about the client's Hell, right? If the employees are vaccinated, sure, they're not going to give it to you, but the other customers, then then you run into that issue. So I think any kind of customer facing business probably won't benefit that much from mandating their employees do it or getting their employees to do it even, because there's, mm-hmm. they've still got the wild card of the customers. So I think anything that Either A, exclusively interacts with other people in the company and otherwise interacts with people virtually, you know, some more white collar kind of stuff. Presumably they could vaccinate their whole business and go back to more or less normal operations and not worry about the public and not worry about getting it transmitted from the public or having the public spread it to other members of the public within their business, right? So I think those ones would benefit because they can just vaccinate their entire team. On a societal level, though, I don't know. On a societal level, I don't really know if there's any particular business that I could pick out that would more so benefit from having something like this than others, just because that wild card of the public, you know what I mean? Right. We got one more comment. It says, major tech companies were pretty good at work from home prior to COVID, though. GM wants to go permanent, but I think there is a halfway under their umbrella. Manufacturing, testing, and suppliers can't do that in a practical way. Um, And yeah, that's true. A lot of these companies have went kind of full work from home. I think Twitter and Google on some level did the same. And they kind of have that leisure, right? As tech companies, they kind of fit that mold of they're more white collar. They're dealing with a lot of people virtually and can meet virtually more easily. But a lot of people can't necessarily do that. Oh, so I wanted to get into the chipping uh, argument. So the, the idea that Bill Gates and others are are chipping us with the, the vaccine, because that one's out a lot. But in May, around 28% of the American population believed that Gates and others were trying to chip us through the, the vaccine. So I want to talk about this because this is something that's out there and fairly widely believed. On, on some level, a, a substantial amount of people believe in this one. The idea that Bill Gates and or the Gates Foundation or other elites or the governments um some combination of these people are attempting to chip track and otherwise monitor us with vaccines and i already am, am imagining that i just gave someone a soundbite someone on echoplex or something just got a, <laughs> just got a soundbite on me saying that um, so i want to i want to be very clear that this us explaining this and talking about this one in particular is not, this applies to everything we talk about on here really, or everything that people say on here. We don't want to take an official stance on these things and we don't want to make it seem like we're trying to push one thing or another. There are a couple of things that we want to go through and, and lay out so that people understand it. But yeah, so I, we wanted to talk about this um, and we did have, we have one person that wants to jump in at some point and we'll definitely get to you, I promise. But there were two different aspects to this conspiracy that we wanted to jump into and and kind of explain a little bit so that people understand why this started and where some of the misconceptions are coming from, just in the spirit of saying what needs saying. There's two separate elements to this that I think played a large role in why this conspiracy has started becoming more popular and gaining traction and things like that. There's the idea of RFID chips being in the in the vaccine itself and there's the idea that you will be able to be tracked and so RFID it stands for uh, radio frequency identification and so basically the idea is that this microchip will be injected into your arm that then they'll be able to track you. So this is a technology right now this is something that companies there's a company in Wisconsin that offered its employees a chip that it's a little, rice size grain of rice size chip that they can put in their hand and they can then scan it at the vending machine and and pay for their snacks with this thing. So this I I don't want to mislead people and say that this isn't this is completely unfounded because it's not I again I'm not backing this up, but that technology is out there, right? They they can do that. That said, it is the size of a grain of rice. And so presumably if you were to go to your local COVID vaccine and get this tracker it would be a physical bump on your arm that that you would be able to tell, right? Uh, another misconception that was that was uh, spreading a little bit. As far as those RFID chips that I was talking about, there are going to be RFID chips on the outside of the syringe. Um, and so that was misconstrued as there being a chip in the actual vaccine. So one other misconception I wanted to talk about and, and explain before before I forgot. The other side of this, the other half of this is an idea about quantum dots, um, which was basically an attempt to ease tracking of vaccines over time in places that have bad record keeping and bad um, ability to keep track of vaccines. So a lot of vaccines are taken in a series and for kids that are getting them, you want to make sure that they got all two or all three or et cetera of the vaccines in the series to make sure that they work well. There is a technology that was developed by MIT that you can use a patch. So the vaccine is a a patch with micro needles on it. The microneedles then inject the vaccine. And after they inject the vaccine, it also injects this dye. Um, The dye corresponds to the type of vaccine that was injected. So that then when they, if they want to look at that with a the way that MIT describes it is a smartphone with a certain filter turned off or taken off, they can then tell, given the type of dye, what that vaccine record is, right? What Which ones they've received and whatnot. So again, these kinds of technologies are emerging in our present, but specifically with the COVID vaccine, the only concern for that would be if someone is literally sticking a patch on you and that would not be the case, you're, you're getting an injection. And even if it is a patch, even if I should preface this, even if they start using patches, that is not a tracker. Like you don't use that info to track the person, it's to track the vaccine record. And so the combination of those two technologies, tracking someone, you know, using some kind of RFID chip, but doing it in a nondescript way, like the quantum dots, I'm not sure actually exists.
1: Granted, you know, the technology... Whether it exists or not, that's definitely not even close to how far in advance our technology has come. The idea of it being the size of a grain of rice, I guess to different aspects of the technology world uh, is a bit grotesque. and you know right. it's, it's it's a little too obvious. You know, there's quantum computers now. Um, who would have thought when the size of a calculator would have been the size of a, size of a room? In my head, I mean, how many times do you often read, and I love bringing up this argument, you know, whatever terms or conditions of whatever flappy bird second, <laughs> you know, you know how many things have you agreed to that you're not fully aware of? You know, whether it be a, a chip that tracks you or tracks what's happening to you, you literally have an entire computer, the equivalent of a computer of the size of your hand and your phone traveling everywhere you go, turning on your locations wherever you go. They know everything about you more or less that you never wanted them to know, and it can be picked up. Easily online by any 12 grader with that, you know, that build their own computer. So the idea or the 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 fear that the government will be tracking you is maybe maybe you know, half a century too late. You know what I mean?
0: I so I agree on some level, but I do want to push back a little because I think there's still a difference between even if it's under the radar and hard to detect, like because it's on, it's hidden in the terms of into conditions and all that. There is still something different about voluntarily. Giving that info over and having someone, you know, having it taken from you without your knowledge. Um, So I I empathize with the concern about having it taken without your knowledge, right? If you're using these tech, these technologies, these sites, these things, you've more or less, at least most people have more or less accepted that those sites, those companies are tracking them. But it's very different than making that jump from that to the government. That said, I'm sure that the government is able to get information that they need or want on you know on stuff like this because it's out there
1: that was even what that was what the patriot act was originally about i mean you know let it be facebook granted you know we sign away to facebook but facebook is just as much with in, in, in involved with the government as any other government entity whatever app, i mean like the president can say no more tiktok you know what i mean like that's a, mm-hmm. there's a reason why that's possible is because they're connected directly to any information Even in schools, uh, you know, I went to a high school where the social media platform, if you were to use the word bomb or school or gun, your Twitter will be found and you'll be expelled from school almost immediately, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's just because that communication, that line of communication exists.
0: We got a couple of comments that I wanted to get at and someone had their hand up that we can jump back to them too. I didn't want to miss them. So we had one comment that said, why is it Bill Gates? Why him? Other tech, tech companies exist a lot of that is because of the Gates Foundation's donations. So the Gates Foundation directly donated to that MIT project, the quantum dots that I was talking about, the uh, the Gates Foundation did directly donate towards funding that project and projects like it. Gates has some presence internationally helping to fund and, and work with vaccines in impoverished areas and countries. So he is involved in the, in that, arena without being an expert himself, so to speak. And so I, I see that's, I think that's the main reason why he's lumped into it. Plus he's just super rich. And one of the elites that are often lumped into these kinds of potential conspiracies because they have the means and the money and the, you know, all of that. But I think the largest thing is the presence of the Gates Foundation and what they're actually donating towards. We got one other one from someone else that said. Um, the president can only temporarily say no more TikTok, Congress would overturn that. And I think that's probably true. I think, you know, executive orders only have so much power, including with something like that.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to add that while we are talking about the limitations of the government mandating such a vaccine, um, and all the issues with that, um, we shouldn't underestimate the role that the government plays. I think the government does play uh, a big role in this case, which is in my opinion, a lot of public, good public health campaigning, potentially also assist in assisting, assisting uh, companies with dissemination of the vaccine. Uh, we'll see how that pans out um, over the next couple of months. But public health campaigning, I think, is a is a major one that the government lacked early on this pandemic, and I think they still have time to to rectify some of that in terms of bringing this the good light about this. Vaccine to people's minds. And the government had very good public health campaigns in the past, such as campaigns regarding cigarettes and tobacco use. Um, nowadays, you barely see people smoking cigarettes. Why? Because of uh, very aggressive public health campaigning about how the detrimental effects of cigarettes. And I remember these TV ads were showing all these people who have been adversely affected by cigarettes, and it, they're very visceral. How you see them,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and and I think the government does have a role in that. That they can they can have a successful public health campaign, uh, making people aware of the vaccine and also potential side effects, being upfront with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Fauci can play a big role in that as well, uh, regaining trust of people, mm-hmm. and just also drilling into people's minds that right now, as of today, we've had two ninety six thousand people who have died from. This virus—it's not—it's not a small number. Like it's on par with uh, with major events that we've had. It's—it's—it's it's, it's close to World War II uh, deaths. It's way beyond World War One deaths. It's—it's it's greater than a lot of the previous pandemics have had. Uh, not the 1918 um, flu pandemic, which was much larger than this and resulted in a much higher scale of deaths. But this number is not unsubstantial. So we need to people need to be aware of this that lots of fellow Americans have died from it and we need to do our best to protect ourselves. I think if this message was there from the beginning, we wouldn't see a lot of this divisiveness around the virus mask wearing, other mm-hmm. things. Um it it would really have made the country I think unified. And I remember this that somewhere I read online that what brings the US together is some form of sadly some form of foreign attack or some form of enemy attacking us. That's what unifies the country, which is really sad that it, it comes to that. But this this could have been an opportunity to bring the country together, right? It's it's a it's a foreign invisible virus like Trump likes to call it, uh, the China virus. And and it it, it, it did affect Americans all across the board, uh, regardless of what your race, age, any other demographic. So, so yeah, I, I just urge if any public health officials are listening to this podcast, I just urge that there, there, there should be a, a very good public health campaign in regards to this vaccine.
0: Yeah. Well, and stop politicizing it. Stop both sides, right? Both sides need to stop politicizing this whole issue. You know, I'll concede that Trump absolutely has had a lot of awful rhetoric surrounding COVID and treatments of COVID and, you know, the medical community. The, the other side isn't immune to this, right? Andrew Cuomo early on in all this overtly told people that they should be skeptical of it if it comes out of the Trump administration. And then recently has said that we need to, you know, combat this skepticism in people. It's like, well, where, where do both of these sides think that the skepticism is coming from? Between Trump downplaying COVID and talking out his ass about treatments and things, and then between Kamala Harris and Cuomo and others, you know, casting doubt on a vaccine that comes out of the Trump administration, and then flipping before it even before the Trump administration is out, it's been extremely p- political and partisan and to address one of the comments we got, we got a question that said politically, do we expect anything to change with the change of office in terms of what is mandatory? I, I think that you will see an increase in certain things. Biden has talked a little bit about mask mandates. I'm not sure as far as vaccines go.
1: I couldn't see uh, the next administration going towards the mandate area. I think they'll, in regards to the vaccine, I think they'll just go to like a strong encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, Zach, we would want to not to politicize this, but as you know, 2020 allowed everyone to sit in front of the TV a little longer than they normally would be. Right. And to see the word politics and COVID to be associated, just tagging the word vaccine mm-hmm. already makes this something that's already, because the vaccines as a whole are already somehow still a, um, uh, a heavily discussed or not discussed at all topic. To make mm-hmm. it co- something that's as general as COVID, and something as private as vaccines, that's associated with the presidency, and there's still fingers pointing, we're still trying to place a blame when 3,000 people die a day, you know, at this point, it doesn't matter if Elmo was the president, people in the United States still wouldn't care, or still don't care to believe it, because, I mean, the people who, people who don't believe this is a real, real thing, or, you know, people that believe that this is just something that the government wants to pursue or some great, um, you know, ulterior plan would say, there's no need to take it because I don't think it's real. Then there's people who are saying that I don't need to take it because it's a part of this administration or in spite of this administration, I'm not going to take it or, you know what I mean? So it it would be hard for even Americans to, because COVID is still under Trump's administration. So anything under COVID would have to be politicized, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, that's probably the reality. But yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right that the politicization of all of this—it's inevitable. It's um, it, it, it's unfortunately just going to keep getting worse and worse. You know, with everything going on right now, I don't know how we fix it. I mean, hopefully through stuff like this, through actually discussing it and getting more people to listen to this. And I mean, in response to the one listener, here's hoping, fingers crossed that you know, public health officials are listening to the podcast, I'll be happy if anyone's listening. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. Um, Andrew Cuomo, I challenge you to listen to this podcast. I'm scared now. I well, so I wanted to this is a bit tangential. But I, I think that one thing I've been noticing in media today, that I think is important, and that's lacking, you know, you'll see I was talking to someone the other day about comparing uh, Louder with Crowder and mainstream media sources and their guests. And, you know, you'll see Andrew Cuomo will come on, you know, CNN or or MSNBC or wherever. Um, Fauci will come on those. And someone like Rudy Giuliani will go on Louder with Crowder and, you know, discuss the lawsuits and whatever. And it's, and it's sad that there's never any, there's never a source that has both of them on right? No one ever has, now not necessarily those specific two, they don't really match up, right? But having the quote unquote, left leaning guest, and the right leaning guest. um, And I think I, one day, I'd like for us to be able to provide that platform, right? Have the, the quote unquote, famous, important people on from each side, as opposed to just having the different perspectives and viewpoints of the people but but yeah i think it's it's sorely lacking and one of the comments we just got sums it up really well with with a lot of this it says it's really sad that even with how far we've come in terms of ease of access of information that it seemed we as a whole as americans seem to have gone backwards in terms of common sense and basic understanding of how the world works it's you know it's tough it's In doing this deep dive for this episode, right, I'm sure I only know a fraction of what goes into something like these Bill Gates conspiracies, right, about the chips. But it took a while for me Mm -hmm. to actually figure out where this stuff is coming from. Why is it Bill Gates? Why do people think that they're being chipped? And you know, there's plenty of videos, there's stuff like that, and there's there's a lot of stuff out there. But then if you dig into each of those there is a lot more to the story there. And in this era of convenience and information being provided immediately on Facebook and Twitter and and all of this, it's tough to allow people because of that ease of access, it's tough to actually have people fully understand what they're discussing and fully understand the ramifications of it too. So Mm. it's it's hard. And I mean, we don't, that's the thing, we don't want to, be news, right? We're not trying to be your news source. We're not trying to be your. We can
1: get there though. I believe yeah, you. yeah, maybe one day.
0: <laughs> but you know, it's tough. You you've got to get all your information from various different sources and and do the work. And it's tough to do that, right? And so that's why I think when these perspectives are met with, you're just a crazy conspiracy theorist who doesn't know what you're talking about. I mean, maybe sometimes you don't know what you're talking about, but if you approach it like that then it's just going to solidify people's views. It's just going to solidify their distrust of you or your worldview or your expertise or whatever, because a lot of it is rooted in, in stuff like what I explained, because there are these technologies, because scientists do a shitty job of explaining these technologies. And because because
1: that level of distrust has happened in the past. I mean, I mean, like, so, okay, and you brought up conspiracy, and I love that. If, if we were back, you know, in the, I believe it was the 50s, uh, during the, the time of the Tuskegee experiment, and I were to mm-hmm. tell you that this was happening, you would say bullshit. You would yeah. say that's not true. You say the government wouldn't do that. You would say, why would they just single out black men? Why would they waste the resources to watch these people knowing what would happen? And that actually happened. Speaking of other conspiracies in 2020, if I told you there was a guy who was friends with every major president flying people <laughs> right. to the bikini bottom and having sex with children, he would say, I'm losing my mind. Now he's dead. We yeah. don't even know what happened to the witness. <laughs> so, we, so, you know, <laughs> I mean, and it's not even, and that's just a part of natural America. That's not even the, what we don't know, what we you know, perceive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it it all comes from a place. I remember I was just watching a program that said all myths stem in truth. Mm-hmm. And there's no myths, unfortunately, in what we're talking about. These are all at least anecdotally coming from a place of something that's happened.
0: Right. Yeah. And so it's hard to challenge it, right? You have to challenge, like, it's okay to challenge ideas, but when you, the second you challenge the person with the ideas, well, now they're not going to trust your, your, your approach. Right. And so yeah, it, it's tough. Man. And, and you're right that so many of these that would have been considered conspiracies wind up being true or wind up being something legitimate that, you know, yeah, sure, maybe QAnon goes extremely too far in saying that there's some satanic death cult that is all pedophilic and, and you know, the deep state and whatever, but there's still Epstein's Island that happened oh. That's a that, real.
1: That's a real. That's not a right. conspiracy. That is a hundred percent true. They raided the island. There's more than enough evidence there, and there's right. people still denying that. Right. You know, we have evidence for almost every, at least even in the medical industry. You know, there's there's evidence for these vaccines, but people still say my kid can get get autism. Like I don't. Yeah. You know how do you how do you fight that? And now your kid. I mean, I remember right before, well, in the middle of 2019, there was like a slow rise of of uh, polio. I think in Oregon. How do you how does that happen in 2019? You know, Mm -hmm. how how do we even get there? Because people say, hey, whatever I can Google defends my belief. And as a parent, uh, I can choose if my kid gets this time tested. You know, you know, if if that was the case, then every other person should have, uh, you know, what they expect to get from the vaccine. But and granted, I was going to ask this question. uh, Is there an age limit to who gets the vaccine to to get the COVID Mm -hmm. vaccine? I'm Not sure you, know, do you, have to, yeah. do you have to wait till two, or is it five year olds don't have to do it since you know children are not as susceptible but they can be carriers? Like, you know,
0: yeah, I'm not sure. So, so many questions, I'm gonna Google it now to see, but but yeah, I'm not sure offhand. Um, like one of the comments, while you Google, uh, I'm gonna read oh, yeah, yeah, you I, like do it. Google
1: it while I find it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it says also <laughs> it's people are only taking things at face value and not looking into why that is that. It makes me think of how the show House MD. He kept looking and looking and looking till he got to the core of the issue. Overall, most people don't do that. Even I fail at that at times. I've posted stuff because the headline only for someone to point out how misleading it was. Another comment said, in a good chunk of conspiracies, there's usually a grain of truth. And you're right. There's usually a grain of some type of validity behind what we would hear. I think one of the recent ones that I heard is like Medusa the reason why she had snakes on her head was because uh, back then they thought dreads were snake, uh, dreadlocks were snakes. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh wow. So she was a, she was a black woman. I never knew. That was like a random thing I just recently learned, but that was, you know, her, that entire, you know, mythological background has even some grain of truth to it. Any information is that?
0: Yeah. It looks like we don't know yet. So it looks like the early vaccines haven't, haven't been tested in kids under the age of 16 so as of now, we only really have data on older teens and and above. So once, you know, more companies test it on more people and maybe, you know, move into either older demographics or younger demographics, we'll know more. But yeah, as far as right now, we're not sure with looking at kids or or age ranges outside of, you know, that, that main demographic that was tested. A lot of this falls on the quote unquote experts explaining these things in a way that actually translates to non-experts, right? And I've said this on previous episodes, I've said it during this episode, and so I know I say it a lot, but I really think that scientists and the medical community and everything really need to get, get their shit together with explaining these things because otherwise people will just continually not understand them and misinformation will continue to spread and, and everything else. When it comes to, you know, people taking things at face value and the headlines, like like the comment was saying, I, I don't know if there's really a cure for that, right, with how media works, with how social media works. I, I think the best solution is educating people on finding their information and doing research and things like that. Uh, we've got someone with a hand up. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, Zach, that's very interesting that you point out that uh, scientists need to do a better job of, of uh, explaining their science, and, and uh, as a scientist, I completely agree with this. Um, I do want to push back a little bit and see what you thought of uh, in terms of like, is is it really the scientist's job to communicate? Is it w- scientists are not trained to communicate? No mm-hmm. part of the training process comes in communicating. Uh, we're we're just trained to do these very dense experiments and think about the details and be in our own bubble and then publish papers that are not readable by 99% of the population um only a select few people know about this so mm-hmm. i'm i'm just wondering is it, is it really the scientist's job or do you think there needs to be a middleman such as maybe media or maybe podcasts like this one, or Mm -hmm. perhaps a group of scientists who are good at communication and want to pursue that. What do you think about that?
0: So I think in principle, I think scientists are responsible on some level for explaining this stuff, mostly because we are funded on taxpayer dollars a lot of times. And so while it's really only our job to get the data, do the experiments and things like that at the end of the day. I think that when it comes to introducing a middleman, I think we've already tried that. I think we've already tried having the middleman and it devolves into pseudoscience newsy journals that exaggerate everything. And then, you know, you get stuff like this is the love center of the brain or, you know, this drug cures this and, and you just get such over exaggeration and fabrication of claims that I I agree with you that I think scientists are really crappy at communicating because it's not part of our training. But I just think that unless they're able to communicate it, like either way, the scientist then has to communicate it to that middleman in order for that middleman to be able to adequately communicate it. Unless, I mean, like you said, that middleman may be a scientist, right? Maybe that middleman has to be a scientist that is interested in communication and specifically does it. And maybe it's not a responsibility that falls on all scientists. But I do think that there should be I think that honestly, my stance comes from a position of wanting to reform the training that scientists get in a lot of ways. I think that the training that we get isn't adequate for what we're supposed to do and what we actually do. And not just in communication, right stuff like statistics and and other things, I think think we could point out different flaws of scientists training. So so yeah, I think broadly, my answer would be that I think theoretically speaking, scientists have a responsibility to explain it um, or at least to try to explain it. Um, and when it comes to the middleman, I don't know, I would advocate for more more scientists to become that middleman, to do things like have a podcast or have you know outreach programs or things like that. A lot do. a lot do, and that's it's a good cause, and a lot of people actually do try to encourage communication of these results and of science and things. So yeah, I, I'm rambling a little bit, but yeah, I think I think that would be scientist's uh, role in communication. Yeah,
2: yeah that, I mean, that, that, oh sorry. Um, no, good, yeah, good, that, go that, go that makes complete sense, and I, I really like the argument that you bring up of uh, this is taxpayer money, so of mm-hmm. course there is some responsibility to give back to the taxpayer, uh, and that is in the form of information that is accessible. I that is a very strong reason, and. I think what needs to happen is from these funding agencies like the NIH or otherwise to have a uh, incentive to do this. Maybe bake into the funding systems the grants as to okay, you need to you have a responsibility. Uh, you have to disseminate uh, the science to the public in addition to whatever papers you publish or whatnot. I think that that could be a great incentive. Yeah, and as opposed to what, what the what the NIH is trying to do now in terms of trying to be politically correct with a lot of right. their grants, I think this could be the other other better route that they could go into and th- that would serve the public quite a bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I
2: agree.
1: I, I think that's the, the conduit that would at least allow people to trust the science, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, granted, for our undergraduate, we had to present our research um, and I the minute I sat into one of those classes showing you how to present research, the first thing I said was how come no science class has a mandated uh, mandatory communications course? Mm-hmm. I think anyone who has to do with anything in the world should take a communications course because we all need to communicate with each other. Um, mm-hmm. I think the idea of like you know whether it be media to be that platform, we see like, for, I would, I would imagine that'd be a good idea, but then eventually it will get boiled down to yellow journalism or something that's sound biteable. I mean, there's, we have Bill Nye, the science guy, and he's arguing bio one-on-one stuff with politicians. Like, I don't think, I don't, yeah, I wouldn't want to put someone in that space, especially because they're now open to the criticisms of the, of, of the general public. And that's not necessarily what the field that they will be going into would be anticipating. So,
0: right. And we got a, we got a couple comments that touch specifically on this kind of stuff from, from social media. So I want to hit those really quick. So one comes from Twitch. It says, yeah, real science needs a voice or the void will be filled with pseudoscience. That's absolutely true. Um, You know, the, the people need information. People want information. They crave answers. And if you can't, if we, as the scientists and the medical community can't give it to them or can't give it to them in a way that they can digest and understand, and that doesn't make us seem like flippant liars and, and, and confused and not knowing what we're talking about, then people will go to other sources for their information for their answers. And so that's where a lot of this stuff pops up is you don't have the information elsewhere. The other comment that we got on Facebook, it says, I'm not afraid to swallow prescribed antibiotics or buy ibuprofen from off the store shelf and will willingly take it. So why am I afraid to be injected with a substance that forces my body to build up antibodies to COVID-19? I don't know. If only they, in quotes and all caps, would get in front of us on TV for an hour and explain in detail what we should expect, maybe that would make me more willing to get vaccinated. And that's, that's true, right? It all boils down to the same line of we need to communicate the information better. We need to share this information better so that people actually know what's going on. And they do, right? Me- media sources have bits on this. They have segments on this, but there's nothing, right? We had, uh, what, what were they called? When, when Trump was doing the COVID meetings, um, I'm blanking on what they were actually called. The, but when he, you know, the, the addresses he would give every single day, cuomo was giving addresses every single day um you know other countries were giving addresses fairly regularly for one that's missing on a national level right now that vaccine production is up and running there could be a better attempt to do that you know information is up on cdc website information is up on fda and, and things like that people aren't going to seek it that that well and i think one of the listeners had said earlier that that's a big role when it comes to the government is the government is the one that needs to then provide the information that scientists find out and provide the stats provide the data and the the information that we have and yeah it, unless you, quote unquote they get in front of the tv and explain it all in detail but in a way that is digestible by the people actually watching that broadcast then then things will spread through the the community that then you know stuff like conspiracy theories will pop up and things like alternative sources of of information that are spreading mistruths and things like that that are rooted in some grain of truth but then go off the rails a little at some point so yeah i think that these were all excellent points about about scientists and and medical professionals and all of these people communicating these things and it's something that I know I feel passionately about. I'm going to do, we're going to do an episode at some point about this. I know, I call it the scientist superiority complex, that scientists just think that they, they know better. And so when they go to explain something, a lot of times it comes out as very talking down or, or like you're, condescending. Ass- yeah, it comes across as condescending, like you're assuming stupidity or ignorance. And if you do that and try to try to then explain to someone why they're wrong about their beliefs that Bill Gates is trying to chip all of us. Well, of course, they're going to turn around and say, well, fuck you, you don't know what you're talking about. And you're just you're just casting aside any any possibility that I am at all in the right on this. And that is only going to solidify their their beliefs and draw them push them further away from believing any source of expertise after that. I don't know, what do you think, Brandon? We've been going for a little while. Do you wanna, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on that we've missed so far? Or I guess I'll push that to-
1: I mean, in my head, I would love to see, I I think the best way for them to get the numbers to create the complex of herd immunity, granted, is it mandatory? No, other countries did not need to go this route, but we do. I think the $1,500 thing is the best way unless they come out i think i think too much of damage has been done the name fauci has been slew like you know dragged through the mud you know in association with you know trump and his administration so we'll see what happens um we'll definitely have to come back to this again especially Mm -hmm. when the numbers start coming out when things start unraveling hopefully this doesn't carry out to 2022 but we'll see and we'll definitely cover it if not
0: right yeah for sure Let us know in the comments, um, in the chat. We'll we'll stay up for a minute. Um, If anyone has anything else that they want to say, if they have anything else, uh, feel free to say what needs saying, jump in, leave a comment. Um, Is there something that we haven't touched on that you think we should? Is there something that you want to hear a little more detail on or that you wanna hear in the future? And what are your last thoughts? What are your final thoughts on all of this, on the vaccine? on potential mandates on the various concerns about side effects and you know tracking and and things like that is there anything else that needs to be said that you would like to say and so we'll give it a minute to to let the comments roll in if there are any Right. Now,
1: while those comments come in, Zach, what's your final, what's your, I'll give you the the micro podium. Uh, What what do you have to say about everything and just the COVID COVID vaccine or how even America's handled COVID in general?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think COVID in general, I mean, we've handled it poorly, but I don't think that, I only think part of that is America specific. I think part of that is America specific. And part of that has been felt worldwide that this is just new enough that we've handled it poorly. I, as far as the vaccine goes, I, I think that I, I disagree. As far as the fifteen hundred dollar plan, I mean, I, I just don't like the precedent that sets of like the government paying you some money to, to get a vaccine, you know, and then, inevitably, that then pressures people into getting it that may not want to. I mean, it's not forced in that case, so that wouldn't be as bad as a, as a mandated vaccine nationwide. But I do think it will be interesting to see how it shakes out. Uh, It'll be good to see what companies mandate it um, and what kind of services mandate it. You know, you know that airlines are probably going to come out soon, um, saying something, right? Assuming they're legally allowed to, will say something like that. That certain services may be restricted for those that can't get a vaccine. I don't know which ones plan to do it or which ones feasibly can, but I think that would likely be the best motivator for people to actually get it if voluntary services are restricted in some way because of it. So we'll see. It's definitely it's definitely crazy. There's a lot out there and we have a lot that we still need to learn and, and a long road ahead of us. It's not like the vaccine will just be up tomorrow um, right. for all of us here in America, but but yeah, I, I think that's that's about all I've got.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, on that note, looks like we've gone through all the comments so far. With that, we'll cut this conversation. Thank you all for joining us. We really enjoyed hearing all of your thoughts on the vaccine and about everything that we've talked about today. Um, We are really excited for the upcoming year. We've got a lot of big things planned with the podcast. And so I did want to ask one last time just to please share us with a friend of yours. We still grow best based on word of mouth. Hopefully that will be changing and we'll have a couple new avenues to advertise and and share the podcast in the future. But please do share us with a friend of yours um, that may enjoy these kinds of conversations. We're always looking to increase the number of perspectives and different people and thoughts involved in the conversation. And we're trying to encourage the most people as possible to start talking about these things because they are important and we don't really get this kind of, this kind of forum, So yeah. Also,
1: granted, and I, and I hear about it a lot and I, and I think Zach and I also have a responsibility uh, to also bring this up, preventative measures. Do not be afraid of wearing a mask, wear the mask. If you're in a social setting and no one else is wearing it, stand up for your own health and wear a mask, please. Do not be afraid of hand sanitizer. Hand, sanitize your hands as much as possible. Do not touch your face. Don't be afraid of taking multivitamins. If you are never a multivitamin taker, it's the winter. You can catch a cold. There's COVID out. The numbers are real. It's a real disease. It's a real virus. Don't be afraid of taking vitamin D supplements. Don't be afraid of taking multivitamins. Take care of yourself. Take care of your health. Health is wealth. Any final statements,
0: Zach? Um, I think you covered it. Wear the mask correctly. <laughs> Wear it over yes. your nose. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. no. Forget
1: everything I said. <laughs> it belongs over your nose. Yeah. Listen, back in the day, they said sagging, and this is this is a dated term. <laughs> this is a dated term, and excuse me uh, for the cancel. I don't mind it. We're young. So they said sagging with, with black, when um, African American kids would sag their jeans. I remember one time you would see people would call the police on kids sagging their jeans i will call the cops on you if you sag it under your nose picking pick, in, pick your, uh, your mask up over your nose so we can live a little bit longer
0: yeah thank you yeah over the nose wash it don't just shove it in your pocket you know all that yeah
1: uh, please
0: oh and oh uh, yeah that's no. it i'll stop there because i'll yeah. go a rant. all right well with that we'll call it a day here thanks you all for joining us and join us next time for the next conversation on say what needs saying
1: stay safe out there
0: Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please remember to like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating. Also, you can follow
1: us on Twitter at SayWhatNeeds and on Instagram and Facebook at Saying for live updates and sound bites from our actual podcast. Don't forget to continue the discussion. Thank you for listening.
0: Thanks.